1: Las Vegas, for the Baseball Money Podcast, myself, Dave Peters, we've got a great show for you. It's Scott Seidenberg. He does absolutely terrific work out there as a the radio shows. He also does a lot of podcasting on his Twitch feed. He is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be talking about all that we've seen in baseball the last couple weeks. We're going to be taking a look at some of these series, including that big Padres versus Dodgers series. Which of these teams have surprised? Are here to say which of these teams? are maybe going to be taking a little bit of a fall off. We're going to be talking about that in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday. As we touch them all, first things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. My Twitter timeline, at scorety one Keep in mind the letters ZM. They mean does not matter. The other way is an an Apple Podcasts. If you do rate this podcast five stars, Very much appreciated. I know that many of you guys have asked what the best way to be able to support all that I do is just merely listen to the podcast daily and... If you rate this podcast five stars at some point, it certainly is a big help. It takes like two minutes. It really does make a little bit of a difference. Other people are out there looking for podcasts It's like, oh, there's a bunch of five-star ratings for this one. This Greg Peterson schmuck must be doing something very good. So, that always helps me out. So, it is always appreciated, but did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but with that said, we did have a tremendous day of baseball on Friday. So, let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better. A
0: game- from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap.
1: Well, things got overwhelming out there in Wrigley Field as the Chicago Cubs take it to the Milwaukee Brewers by kind of 15 to 2. For Brad Anderson, this was not the start that he was looking for. He winds up departing after 11 pitches due to injury. He gives up three runs while recording one out. Josh Lindblom comes in. Three and two-thirds innings. He gives up eight runs, all of which were earned. A congratulations on his 1097 ERA. Drew Rasmussen. He drops his ERA to an 859 thanks to a scoreless inning, but... On Helperdomo winds up giving up four runs in an inning. Eric Yardley, a scoreless inning, and give it up for position player Daniel Robertson for being able to pitch a scoreless eighth. But for the Milwaukee Brewers, good news is Colton Wong is off the injured list. He got a home run off of Kyle Hendricks, his first of the campaign, and Billy McKinney was able to get his third and for the Cubs, this was a little bit more of the Kyle Hendricks that you expect. He did give up two home runs, but two total runs over the course of six innings. Cell work there. Dylan Maples is able to come in for an inning. Kyle Ryan, he cleans up too as well. But for the Cubs, it was home run derby in this one. Jake Budesnik, his first home run of the campaign. Javi Baez and Wilson Guterres both get their 6th home runs of the campaign, and Anthony Rizzo. Tees off on Mr. Lindblom, his 4th for the Cubs. 17 hits in this one. They came into this game hitting right around at 200. That certainly was able to bolster that. The Oakland A's were able to bolster their record. They have now won 12 games in a row. 3-1 the final. Remember we were talking about the A's and how we were concerned about their 1-7 start? Well, that feels like ancient history at this point. Cole Irvin, another good Start out of him five and a third innings. He gives up one run, had a couple of rough ones to begin the year. He's been able to settle down though. Yes, Medo Petit winds up giving you one and two thirds innings scoreless. And then JB Wendelkin and Jake Diekman are able to close the door. And for the Oakland A's, Ramon Loriano has been struggling a little bit for this team. He did have an error out there in the field, but he also had his second home run of the campaign that comes off of Mr. Ode Lopez, who gives up three runs over the course of four innings. Might be one of the worst starters out there in the big leagues. 8-1-5 ERA, and quite honestly, he's lucky it might not be even worse. But I will say this. Orioles' bullpen looks solid in this one. Cole Solzer, two scoreless innings. You also had Dylan Tate and Trey Lankins come in for a scoreless inning, coupled with Sean Armstrong. Problem for the Orioles is the exact opposite of last year. They're just not hitting to save their lives. They wound up having one guy depart from this game that was in the starting lineup, hitting above at 255. That'd be Cedric Mullins, who went to a five as a team. They had 10 hits. They wound up leaving 10 men on base, so that was not necessarily ideal. It was also not necessarily ideal for Casey Mize of the Detroit Tigres, as they wind up losing to the Kansas City Royals by a kind of 6-2. to two. Mike Miner look like a major force in this one. Nine punch-outs and five and two-thirds innings. He does give up two runs going deep in this one for the Tigers. You wind up getting Robbie Grossman his second home run of the campaign, really, other than that, nothing doing. And for Casey Mize, he gave up a pair of home runs, six total runs and four and two-thirds innings. Andrew Benatendi... And Taylor O'Hearn able to get their first home runs of the season. And then from there, the Tigers' bullpen, which is dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA, did their job. Derek Holland gave you a scoreless inning. Buck Farmer did as well. And Tyler Alexander doing a third inning scoreless. But damage had been done, and for the Detroit Tigers, this is a team that they are really scuffling on offense. The Cleveland Indians are also scuffling on offense, and they lose to a New York Yankees team that they seem to be finding a little bit of something on offense. 5-3 to three, the final, and what they found on offense... John Carlos Stetton's bat. How about him being able to give the team not one, but two home runs? He goes deep off of Mr. Logan Allen for his fourth home run of the campaign. He then steps up, and he hits a home run off of Trevor Steven. That would be his fifth for the Yankees as well. You wind up getting Rudnato Ador going deep along with Aaron Hicks. Both of them got their second home run of the campaign. Both came in the second inning off of Logan Allen. For Jordan Montgomery, I can't say that this was a tremendous start. He gives up three runs over the course of four or two thirds third-innings. But then from there, you have Aroldis Chapman, Chad Green, Darren O'Day, I'll give you a scoreless inning. And Lucas Lutigi was able to give you four outs. As for the Indians, bullpen was solid in this one. Stephen winds up giving up that home run. But Phil Mayton was able to give you one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Emmanuel Clase gives you a scoreless inning. And Kel Quantrill's two scoreless. So Logan Allen going two and a third innings giving up four runs was terrible. But then from there, the Indians wound up settling down. Problem is, offense still not getting going for them. The offense in the Mariners and Red Sox games were able to get going and Yusei Kikuchi pitches another over. Six to five, in the final. The Mariners wind up getting the in this one for Kikuchi. He gives up five runs, two bombs, and four and two-thirds innings throughout his career. zitting at right around a 72% clip. It's absolutely insane. And for Kyle Seeger, as he winds up getting his third on the campaign, that comes off of Matt Barnes as he gives up three runs out of the bullpen. But Adam Ottavino, Garrett Wicklock, they were able to combine for three scoreless innings. You have Harukazu Sawamura, who was able to give you four outs out of the bullpen. And for Martin Perez. He gives up two runs and three two-thirds innings, but jacked up his pitch count with four walks. But for the Boston Red Sox, they currently lead the majors in terms of batting average and runs per game. Xander Bogarts, he continued that 3rd home run, run the campaign. That comes off of Mr. Kikuchi. Mr. Kikuchi also serves one up to J.D. Davis, who's hitting at 368 with now seven home runs. So he certainly is getting the job done. The Tampa Bay Rays bullpen, that's a unit that's not getting the job done. They lose to the Toronto AK Dunedin Blue Jays by a count of five to three. A pair of home runs in this one for the Jays. You wind up having Tyler Glasnow serving them both up. Randall Gritchick is started the campaign and then Marcus Simeon gets his fifth for Glasnow. Five runs given up over the course of six innings. And now his ERA is a at 205 because coming into this game he had been nothing short of superb. And you got to give the Rays a little bit of credit. Chris Mazza, someone who actually saw a couple starts for the Red Sox last season, Three scoreless innings, so he actually did his part. And our man, Randy Orozarena gets his third home run of the campaign. That comes off of Steven Matt. Steven Matt improves at 4-0, but he did give up that home run. Three runs in total over the course of five innings, but has certainly experienced a career renaissance. But the Blue Jays, right now, have the best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Tyler Chatwood, scoreless inning. Rafael Doris, a scoreless inning. David Phelps, Tim Mazza, they combined for two scoreless innings. The Washington Nationals got absolutely nothing going with the Mets as they ran into Jacob DeGrom, 6-0 in the final. For DeGrom, this was absolutely ridiculous. He winds up pitching a complete game with 15 punchouts and two hits. He now has a 0-31 ERA, and somehow, someway, he's lost a decision. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And the Mets actually provided him with some run support, mainly Brandon Nimmo. For RBI, he gets his first home run in the campaign that comes off of Kyle McGowan. And for Eric fetty Wop, he winds up giving up three runs over the course of five innings. McGowan gives up that home run, and Austin both winds up giving up around the bullpen. And for the Washington Nationals, they were without Juan Soto. And going up against Jacob DeGrom, they were without a prayer in this one. So, I mean, it was just absolutely impressive. And by the way, if you've been betting every one of Jacob DeGrom's starts each of the last three years... I think his team actually has a losing record, so it's nice to see him finally be able to get some production behind him because he's been so good. The Atlanta Braves, they are looking so good as well. 5-4, to four, the final over the Arizona Diamondbacks for the Stakes. Carson Kelly's looking really good. He goes deep off of Noah as he was able to get his fifth home on the campaign. He's right now silently hitting a three forty one and for Luke Weaver, he's silently regressing. Four runs given up over the course of five innings. You had... Some good bullpen pitching in this one. J.B. Burkakis was able to give you a scoreless inning. Alex Young along with you don't mess with the Juan Lopez come in and Lopez gave up a run in his early appearance, but for the Atlanta Braves, the man that was able to provide that home run off of Lopez and really provide some cushion, Ozzy Albies, the start of the campaign. Austin Riley, he goes deep for his second round of Acuna Jr. Wound up returning after missing a couple games. He did not look like himself though, 0-4 oh, in this game, so that was a little bit tough. And for Mr. Ouskar Dianoa, you know what? He had a good start. Two runs given up over the course of six innings. Luke Jackson comes in. He gives up around the bullpen along with Tyler Mazek. And Mazek has not necessarily looked great out of the bullpen. But Will Smith, he didn't get jiggy with it. He just got down to business. He was able to give the Atlanta Braves a save, so they get it done there. For the LA Angels, they were unable to get the job done against the Houston Astros. Five to four, the final is the Angels strike for two in the tenth, and the Astros rally for three in the tenth. So if you wound up having the under, like I did good grief. This was an absolutely deplorable beat. But with that said, you wound up having yourself some nice long ball action here as going deep for the Houston Astros in this one. You had Mr. Yoli Gurriel going deep for his serve. That was off of Aaron Sligers. And if you look at Andreini, he had a very good start in this one. Six and a third innings, punches out 10, gives up one run. Sligers gives up that home run. Mike Myers, Tony Watson, they're able to protect the lead and then Our friend Rossiel Iglesias lights lighter fluid on this game. Now he's a 771 ERA. I mean, just absolutely terrible. What he winds up doing in extras, you do want to note that Mike Drought was held out of this one and the team. For the Angels, 5 of 18 with runners in scoring position. Zach Cranky looks like Zach Cranky gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. Now, he did give up 10 hits, so he evaded a lot of danger. But held up there, Ryan Stanek winds up giving a scoreless inning of the bullpen. And Ryan Presley gives up two unearned runs as he was served by a pair of errors out there in the field. But he was able to do enough to be able to get the W. Dane Dunning did not get her Dunning for the Texas Rangers. 9-7 to seven, the final. New York Post play unfortunately he goes down in flames because Dane Dunning. Goes two and two-thirds innings, giving up five runs, all of which were earned, and then Kobe Allard Gave you two and a third innings, and he gave up a run. But Kyle Cody, he comes in from there. He was left in there just too long, in my opinion. Three runs given up over the course of three innings now. If you're looking for something good for the Texas Rangers, Nick Solak was able to get his fifth home run in the campaign. And how about what you've been able to get out of center field from Adolias Garcia? He goes deep not once but twice for his fourth and fifth home runs of the season for Dylan Cease. He winds up, once again, not necessarily having a great start. Three and a third innings gives up two runs, all of which were earned. He wound a walking three. Jacked up his pitch count. Evan Marshall from there winds up giving up on those home runs. He gives up three runs over the course of five outs. But then from there, Matt Foster gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Aaron Bummer, Cody Ehrer, Liam Hendricks, they all come in close the door. And for Hendricks, he did give up a run, but he also punched out five. As that's how he got all five of the outs that he was able to get. And for Johan Moncada, he was able to get out of a little bit of slump. He winds up going deep off of Kyle Cody for his second home run of the season. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, they had absolutely no offense going on on Friday as they wind up losing to the Minnesota twins by a count of 2 to 0, they got one hit in this game. J.A. Hapapare. Seven and a third innings. He gives up one hit. From there, Ty Duffy, Tyler Rogers. They're able to close the door for the Minnesota Twins. pair of home runs. Jake gave his first of the season. That comes off of J.T. Burbaker. And Burbaker served one off to Williams Estudio. He was able to get his first of the campaign and for Burbaker. And he gives up those two solo home runs and that was it. Two runs given up over the course of seven innings. Sam Howard, he comes in for an inning of relief. But, I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates got one hit in this one. That's why they wound up losing. So, you really can't blame the pitching on that one. You can blame the pitching in the St. Louis Cardinals versus Cincinnati Reds game, five to four. The Reds wind up taking the L for Sonny Gray, gives up five runs in three and two thirds innings. You can tell that he doesn't necessarily look like the guy that we remember from a few years ago. Embry was able to give you one and a third inning scoreless. Jose DeLeon, Amir Garrett were able to give you a scoreless inning as well, so they did their part. And for the Cincinnati Reds, it's a team that they're averaging right around eight runs per game at home, a little bit under four runs on the road. Nick Casianos, he was able to provide a home run. something of the campaign that comes off of Juan Kim, who looked very good. Former KBO All-Star was only able to give up that solo home run in five and two-thirds innings. You did have Jordan Nix give up three runs out of the bullpen. That was not necessarily ideal, but Alex Reyes, Giovanni Gallegos, along Genesis Cabrera, and Ryan Hazley were able to come in. They were able to shut the door, and for Yadier Molina, he gets his fifth home run campaign. That comes off of Mr. Sonny Gray, so the St. Louis Cardinals wind up continuing on their winning ways. The Philadelphia Phillies, they are on their losing ways right now in course. 5-4 to four, the final. The Rockies were able to take this one. Vince Velasquez not necessarily a terrible start in this one. He does give up two home runs, but he gives up just two total runs. And then from there, Sam Coonrod. He winds up giving up a home run while recording five outs. Hector winds up giving up the losing run as well as for the Phillies where they really lost this game. Oh, of 10 with runners in scoring position. Now Reese Hoskins is able to get his fourth home run in the campaign, but for the Colorado Rockies, whole bunch of home runs in this one. CJ Cron is second. Remy Tapia is is third. Garrett Ampson is second. Trevor Story, he finally writes a chapter in his home run book, his first and for Armand Marquez, a very good start. Six innings pitch, he gives up two runs. Yancy Almonte gives up two runs out of the bullpen, but Michael Givens, he given the team a win. He was able to pitch a scoreless inning that allowed the team to be able to get the job done, and it was Tapia who was able to hit that walk-off home run off of Mr. Neris. And if you want to know what, the Miami Marlins, they're sleeping with the fishes. They wind up losing to the San Francisco Giants by a count of 5-3. to three. Cindy Alcantara, uh, not necessarily the length that the team was hoping for. Walked four. Gave up two runs over the course of five innings from there. Adam Simber comes out of the bullpen, and he just gets completely lit up. Three runs, give it up in two-thirds of an inning. Ross Wyler, Richard Blyer, they both record two outs, and then you were able to get a scoreless inning out of Jordan Holloway. But for the Miami Marlins, you wound up having a pair of home runs in this one. Jazz Chisholm his fourth of the season. That was off of Alex Wood, and Jake McGee serves one up to Asus Aguiar's first of the season. But for Alex Wood, other than that home run he gave up early, he was able to be very good. Gives up one run over the course of seven innings. You then from there have Jake McGee give up two unearned runs that Tyler Rodgers was able to send the tide. The reason why the runs that McGee gave up were unearned was due to an error out there in the field by Wilmer Flores, but for the Giants, a team that is really scuffling on offense. They were able to get a little bit of something generated when the few overs that we've seen from them so far this year. So that was pretty rock solid. And we are also seeing something out there in the National League West in which is quite surprising. And that's the San Diego Padres being able to knock off the LA Dodgers. They do it once again on Friday as Fernando Tatis Jr. Homers not just once, but twice in the team 6-1 win for the Dodgers. They have now, by the way, lost four out of their last five games. Yes, even the Dodgers at times are human as well. And you take a look at the Padres. Absolutely tremendous start here from you, Darvish. Punches out nine over the course of seven innings. Gives up one run. Drew Pomerantz was able to give you a scoreless inning. Nick Ramirez was able to do the same. And for the Padres as well, you also got a home run off the bat of Will Myers. His fourth of the campaign is Clayton Kershaw. Got a little bit roughed up in this one. Gave up all three of those home runs. All of which were solo home runs, so gave up three runs over the course of seven innings. And then from there, the Padres bullpen was able to be shown as a strength And the Dodgers. Well, it's a little bit of a weakness as Corey Canable gives up a run without recording it out, and Dennis Santana gives up two runs in and innings of work, and for the Dodgers, they are dealing with some players that are currently injured, like Cody Bellinger and company, but just for it, we're able to be mustered in this one, so that is what we all notice from the MLB landscape on Friday, and if you're taking a look at things, For a season-long perspective, we are still seeing favorites just not doing well in baseball in general. If you're taking a look at it, this includes the Dodgers. I had been excluding the Dodgers a little bit from this, Mark, but favorites straight up 144 and 135. If you're betting on favorites that are not in L.A. Dodgers games, That shrinks to 130 and 129. So we've seen favorites have a little bit of a better ride of it recently, but still not necessarily good. If you're looking at home teams, they're currently straight up 144 and 138. So hitting at about a 51% clip, you're not noticing a lot there. And I know that a lot of people like to look at the run line of the team that is the underdog currently that is hitting at a 62.4% clip so if you're getting the run and half you're hitting that at a 62.4% clip and unders are still doing relatively solid 52.5% of games are going under 134 and 121 to be exact And to be exact, we have a great man on this podcast. Scott Seidenberg does a great job as a podcaster. He's out there in the northeast part of the country. He's paying attention to all the action that we're seeing in baseball. Coming up next, we are going to be reacting to what we think is real slash fake with some of these surprise teams. We're going to be talking about this Dodgers versus Padres series a little bit more and just having some fun taking a look at some of the games that are going to be coming up for this weekend. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Begging Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network hotline.
1: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest. This man does an absolutely terrific job with a little bit of everything. He's got his own Twitch stream that is at twitch.tv slash scottsonair. That's where he does all of his radio hits. He also does a little bit of everything when it comes to radio out there in the state of New York. You're able to find him Pretty much at any sort of a radio near you. He does updates for places like NBC Sports, ESPN. We've heard him on the ESPN affiliate out there in the state of New York so much as well. And he always does a great job when it comes to handicapping baseball. He does a ton of podcasts as well. And you're able to follow him on Twitter at Scott's On Air as it is Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast. And Scott, always great to have you aboard. Thank you.
2: Anytime, Greg. What's going on?
1: Not too much. And you know what else is not going on much? That would be the New York Yankees offense. It has been absolutely incredible. You are out there in the state of New York, so I figured I would get your take on this. What do you make out of it? Because I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous what's been happening to this team this year. You figured that perhaps the pitching would have a little bit of issue. You knew that maybe someone like a Jamison on, like a Corey Kluber, would struggle. And Corey Kluber certainly has struggled, but... Man, I was expecting the bats to be able to pick it up by now. And it's starting to get a little bit concerning with this team.
2: It's not starting. It is concerning right now, Greg. The Yankees offense is inept. And it's not just that they're having low scoring games. The at-bats are just terrible. They're taking pitches that are clearly over the plate for strikes. They're swinging at bad pitches. It seems like on every single at-bat, they're not picking up the ball well from the pitcher. I don't know if it's poor scouting reports or whatever the game plan might be, but there's definite issues with the Yankees offense right now. Everyone to a man is struggling. Aaron Boone trying to do different kinds of incarnations with the lineup to tweak things and get some scoring. But when you have Brett Gardner in the three hole on a given night, that's not a recipe for success. And Aaron Judge is not performing. Giancarlo Stanton has a couple of homers, but his batting average is low. You're not getting anything from Sanchez. You're not getting anything from Clay Torres. DJ LeMahieu, at one point last week, Greg, led the majors in grounding into double plays. This was the major league batting champ last year, and he's grounding into double plays after double plays this year. It's very concerning Something has to change quickly. They called up Mike Ford from the alternate site, but he hasn't brought any juice to the lineup. And who would have thought that they would miss Luke Voigt more than any other player in this lineup this year?
1: Who would think that? I mean, Voigt wound up hitting a bunch of home runs last year, no question about it. But man, it's one of those things where... You would expect guys like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo, saying when those guys are in the fold that this team will be just fine. Certainly is up in the case at Brunet or talk about a useless pickup right there. That is the textbook definition of it. As we do have Scott Seidenberg joining me right here on the podcast. And then the other team out there in the state of New York, that'd be the Mets. They themselves have had a little bit of a tough time generating off. It's not necessarily with getting on base. It's really been the power for the team, which I think is a little bit fascinating. Guys like Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, They've not been able to hit the deep ball. And this weekend they're gonna be going up against the Washington team that they're always lauded for Not necessarily having the world's greatest bullpen pitching. You wind up getting Jacob deGrom on Friday. So this is a team that they're very much set up for success. And I take a look at the Mets in general. I do think that they're in a very good spot because you've got to expect that some of these guys are going to be able to pick it up. You're not going to have Francisco Lindor hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 for the entire year. You're going to be able to get something out of Conforto, Jeff McNeil and company. And with the way that the pitching is going right now and likely getting reinforcements in the form of Carlos Carrasco along Noah Syndergaard throughout the the season this is a Mets team that I think has a good chance to be able to win the division.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned Lindor homered for the first time this season a couple of days ago this week, and so maybe that busts him out of his slump, and you know, people talked about him getting used to playing for New York and living in New York and whatnot, but you know, he's a guy that the Mets certainly expect to produce for them. Pete Alonzo, you would hope that he plays to the back of his baseball card, but really, Greg, you mentioned the pitching, and that's where this team's strength is. They are number one in the major leagues right now in velocity in terms of their starting rotation and a lot of that has to do with Jacob deGrom leading the way of course but you have deGrom you have Stroman Peterson to an extent was pitching okay but he doesn't have to do too much when he's asked to do in this rotation and even though the Mets since 2018 do have a losing record in Jacob deGrom starts which is absolutely amazing if you bet against him every single game you'd be profitable since 2018 But he does have the lowest ERA in the majors since that span. So you know that every five days, they're going to have a pretty good chance to win a baseball game. And if they can just stay relevant in the National League East, I'm not talking about staying in first place, but just stay relevant in the National League East. They're going to have a chance as the season progresses because their offense is not going to be asked to do that Much Now, right now, you look at their first five scoring and they are second to last in Major League Baseball in producing runs in the first five innings of games. So is that an area that you want to target if you're going to bet against the Mets or maybe bet on the Mets? Maybe that's something to take a look at. But again, this team is led by their pitching, and that's where they'll go as far as the pitching will
1: take them. I agree with you. And I do have a little bit of a concern with the bullpen because on this podcast, you're such familiar. He is called Spanish for blown save. We all know that that's not necessarily too terrific. But Edwin Diaz is someone that I think is going to be able to pick up. Now, when you have something like we saw a couple of days ago with Robbie Gizelman coming into the game in the fourth inning, you know that it's not necessarily going to be going your way. But I think that bullpen pitching just in the NL East in general has gotten better. I mentioned the Washington Nationals. They have been an abject disaster when it comes to bullpen pitching in recent years. Now it's actually a little bit more of the back-end starters. Patrick Corbin wanted looking a little bit better in his start a few days ago, but that's certainly a little bit of an issue. You sign John Lester. He's currently injured, and even when you get a fully healthy John Lester, that's so a question mark for the team. Steven Strasberg is currently on the injured list for them. You take a look at a team like the Atlanta Braves. Their bullpen is terrific, but – Question is, what are you going to be able to get out of those bats as well? So you've got a lot of issues there. And in the NL in general, I just feel like you've got a lot of questions with some of these teams. The Braves are still likely a little bit of a favorite. But at the same time, I think that this is going to be one of the most interesting teams in baseball, with the Marlins being an interesting mixer and shaker as well.
2: Well, how fun are the Marlins, huh? How fun are they to watch? I and mean, this is a team that, you know, sometimes you don't expect too much, but when you, you place a couple of bucks on them at some plus money value and they go out there and they perform, you know, whether it's Rogers or Lopez, I mean, they get good pitching. Their jazz chisholm is exciting when he gets hits and extra base hits. Marlins are a fun team to watch, Greg.
1: Oh, I'm right there with you as we do have Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast. And it's fun to watch good pitching in general. And this gentleman is not going to be taking the mound for a few days. Days, but got to get your thoughts on Corbin Burns and his possible candidacy for the NL Cy Young. No question, he's a favorite right now because, well, if you have forty strikeouts of zero walks and an ERA <laughs> that is sub zero four, not sub four, but sub zero four, you. Better be, but when you take a look at this Milwaukee Brewers team, they wound up entering into the series that they have with the Cubs at eleven and seven. This despite the fact that they as a collective are hitting a two ten. So they have been a hot mess when it comes to the bats, but I take a look at the Brewers, and you've got to love what you're getting out of Corbin Burns. You've got to love what you're getting out of Brandon Woodruff. You've got to love the fact that the NL Central is not necessarily so solid. If you're just able to get any morsel of bullpen pitching out of guys not named Devin Williams and Josh Hader, I think that this is a team that all of a sudden could be a force.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned favorite for the Cy Young. How about favorite for the MVP? right ah. now when you look at Corbin Burns. I and mean, you mentioned that uh, first pitcher in Major League Baseball history to have 40 strikeouts and no walks. So just an absolute tear to start the season. But it's not just him. You know, Woodruff is pitching extremely well to start the season. You're getting quality innings from like, Peralta and Hauser. and These guys are are giving you the length in your rotation that you need to limit the use of your bullpen to be successful. And I think that that's the key to this team is to limit how many innings they're going to need from their bullpen. And the hitting's going to come along. They're in first place in the central. You look at their lineup, what's not to like about them? You love Jackie Bradley Jr., you love Travis Shaw, what he can do, the power numbers where you want them to be. Maybe not right now, but there's no doubt that that rotation, and especially the top two guys, are performing at such an elite level that going into any series, you got to expect them to be favored to win two out of three.
1: I agree with you. I think that as long as you've got your top flight stars, even a guy like a Brian Anderson is someone I do like. How's a little bit of a question mark? I think that he's got to prove a little bit of something, but certainly a Brewers team that has been doing an absolutely tremendous job so far this year. As we do have Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast. And Scott, when you just take a look, first three, three and a half weeks of the season. I mentioned some of the teams that have stood out to me, both for the good and the bad. Is there a team out there that maybe is off to a surprisingly good or surprisingly bad start? Something that we didn't expect that you think might have a little bit of staying power because I do take a look at the Seattle Mariners personally. Are they going to be able to win the AL West or anything like that? No, but at the same time, I think that this is a team that they could finish right around 500. I think that they're a team that they could be a little bit pesky. I feel the same way about the Kansas City Royals. I think that they could be towards the middle of that AL Central, especially with having some teams that have been Somewhat mediocre, and some teams that have been surprisingly bad. I'm looking at you, Minnesota Twins, for losing a game <laughs> in which you scored 12 <laughs> runs in a few days ago. But I take a look at those two teams. And I think that they're surprises for the good, and I think that they've got a little bit of sailing power. I don't know if you have a team or two that really fits this category, but that's what I'm taking a look at right now.
2: To me, it's the Boston Red Sox. You know, this is a team that started out the season losing, what, their first three games, and then they went on that long winning streak. Now they're, you know, up there first place in the American League East. Their offense, second-best run differential in all of baseball. They're the second-highest-scoring team in Major League Baseball in the first five innings. They play in a hitter-friendly ballpark, which, you you know, so you know you're going to get runs. But this team, as I mentioned, the run differential, I think that's what's surprising to me. Yes. Do they have the most runs scored in baseball? Sure. But they don't have the most runs against in baseball. You look at a team like the Rays in that division, have more runs against than the Red Sox do. So it's not just saying, oh, games at Fenway high scoring, and you know, if they win majority of them, then you know, yeah, they're gonna have a good offensive numbers. No, this team is scoring a lot, and the pitching is surprisingly performing, keeping teams to low numbers. And you look at their recent games, you know, two runs, four runs, three runs two runs three runs this team is to me one of the biggest surprises in the first couple of weeks of major league baseball and i actually do think that they have some staying power
1: i agree with you i do think that the red sox do have a bit of staying power i was very bearish on them at the beginning of the season and i declared after they wound up losing that three game set to the orioles getting swept in it that hey if you want to take the under on the boston red sox win total you're looking pretty darn good well not so much anymore but you're looking pretty darn good with these two teams as well. Over the weekend, we're going to be having the Padres and the Dodgers go at it once again. We all recall last week, these games had a real playoff feel of them. You're going to have Blake Snell versus Trevor Bauer going at it on Saturday. On Sunday, you're going to have a nice standalone game in which you've got Joe Musgrove against Dustin May. I think that this is great for baseball in general. and. What I think is interesting about the Padres is that they do one thing very, very well that the Dodgers might have a little bit of a kryptonite in, and that's bullpen pitching because with Kenley Jansen, you can never necessarily rely upon him. I look at the Padres, and if they're just able to get those clutch hits, because they've been doing a good job of being able to get on base, they just haven't been able to drive them in. They are going to be able to resubmit as the second-best team in baseball.
2: Yeah, and what a fun series this is going to be. You mentioned the Padres' bullpen, and there's been guys that have been contributing out of that bullpen that you might not have expected to be reliable bullpen arms. But they've come through, and there's nothing not to like about this team. Starting pitching behind Musgrove and Darvish obviously is there. Paddock is whatever. Snell is not having the season that he thought he was going to have. But, like, you know, like a guy like Drew Pomeranz that I mentioned is a guy out of the bullpen that is giving them reliable innings. Emilio Pagan giving them reliable innings out of the pen, not giving up runs. And I think that that's huge for this team as the season winds down is just getting those innings from the relievers, not the Melanson's, you know, not the guy that, you know, the stamens, but, you know, getting innings from guys that you wouldn't normally rely on that are able to go out there and limit the opposition. That I think is huge.
1: I agree with you, and you certainly have some converted starters into relievers for the Dodgers like David Price, like Jimmy Nelson that have been able to do a good job there as well as just being able to shore up that ninth inning. But a man that is always able to come through in crunch time, whether it's the first inning, the ninth inning, or extra innings, Scott always delivers. That'd be you, my man. Let the good people at home know what you're all working on right now. And now they're able to follow you on social media and elsewhere. Yeah. Just
2: follow me on Twitter at scottsonair. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Got some projects in the works. You know, can't announce anything yet because nothing's finalized, but hopefully some really cool things coming up, especially when it comes to baseball betting. And, you know, you can follow my picks and some of the analysis that I give out on my Twitter page again at scottsonair. And just, Talk baseball with me. I love talking baseball. It's a real fun time because the weather's getting warmer. And so, you know, yeah, certain games might be uh, snowed out and rained out here early on in the season. But as we approach May and then into June and obviously the summer, it's going to be a real great season as uh, fans are back in the ballpark, Greg. And just, you know, I can't wait for me to get back in the ballpark now that I'm vaccinated. So I'm just going to get out there and get to Yankees and Mets games and Phillies games as soon as I can.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun and a little bit of inside baseball here, to use a bad pun. Whenever someone says that they've got good things in the work but can't disclose them yet, that typically means that it's very, very good. And Scott is a man that he always does absolutely tremendous work. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Scott's on here. So big thanks to Scott for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast, now powered by Book of Sports and coming up next. It is a time to podcast to give you central on every game on today's MLB betting board as we touch them all.
0: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
1: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to get Scott Seidenberg on the podcast. Does absolutely terrific work out there in the northeast part of the country, so big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday as we touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
1: Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at jarensquirty1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is just where we start with the National League games. We go to the American League games from there. And we are going to be going in time order with regards to each league and then intra league games. And we've got one of them. That would be Pirates and Minnesota Twins. That is going to be the last game that we hit. So that is sort of the order and the structure there. And we do begin with 901, 902 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they are on to the road faceoff against the St. Louis Cardinals. John Gantt goes for the cards. Meanwhile, Wade Miley hopes to have a party in the USA as he goes for the Reds. Your total on this game is 8.5 over and under. Anywhere between minus 115 and minus 105 if you're looking at the Cardinals. Anywhere between minus 107 and minus 115 is what you're laying here. Meanwhile if you're taking a look at the Reds, you're going to be laying as much as minus 109. You're going to be getting as good as plus 107. And in this spot I feel like the Cardinals should be a little bit more of a favorite. I made them more around a minus 133-ish favorite. The big reason why is because I just don't have any faith here in Wade Miley. He had a couple nice starts to begin this season but this is a guy that has just really struggled throughout his career. You take a look at the Reds as well. This is a bunch at, at home. They're scoring over eight runs b- per game on the road. That's less than half of that. Now, Jesse Winker has been consistent no matter if he's been at home or on the road along with Alex Blandino. Both of these guys, whenever they've been in the lineup, they're hitting well above a 300 in the catcher spot in general. Well, Tyler Stevenson and company. Now, you do have quite a few guys hitting between a 240 and 250. Nick Senzel, Joey Votto, Jonathan Indian and company. They seem to be regressing a little bit. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Cardinals. They were able to bust out with the bats yesterday. and Yadier- Molina doing absolutely terrific work with this team. On base percentage hovering right around a 400. Now Paul Goldschmidt along Dylan Carlson, they're both hitting between a 250 and a 240, so they've been able to do a little bit of something with Molina. He also has five home runs. You've been able to get quite a few out of Dylan Carlson. Now Paul DeYoung hitting right around a 200, but his on base is significantly better. He's been able to supply five home runs as well. Matt Carpenter is an advent disaster. I mean, it's just been absolutely terrible to see him. But you take a look at this Cardinals bullpen as well. They were able to get a quality these starts, so they'll be able to get back in with quite a bit of something like Giovanni Gallegos. You'll probably have Andrew Miller and company out there, which is big because Gant, prior to the 2021 season, had last started in 2018, so he's still trying to work his way back. Four, five and five innings is what he's went in his three starts. Walks have been the real issue for him. He has had a grand total of 11 walks in those three starts. Meanwhile, you take a look at Wade Miley. He gives up hard contact. He gives up walks. It has just not necessarily been terrific I do realize his first two starts were solid, but I do think that things are going to wind up progressing for him. And for the rest, this is a bullpen that has been just up and down. Cam Bedrosian was so bad that he wound up getting sent to the alternate side. Sean Doolittle, he really is doing very little for you right now. Amir Garrett is probably their most trustworthy guy. Eth Embry is now with the Major League program. But, I mean, Ryan Hendricks and guys like this have not necessarily been so reliable for the team. So, I do think that you're going to get some runs here from the St. Louis Cardinals. And when I take a look at this total, I do think that it is quite fascinating. As I want to personally setting this as one in which I'm going to be taking over at 9.2 because I do think that Gant is going to give up some walks. Miley is going to give up some hard contacts. So, in this spot, we're going to be taking the St. Louis Cardinals and this total 903-904 on the betting board. You got the Milwaukee Brewers taking on the Chicago Cubs. Ed Bear Azole is going to be going for the Cubbies. Meanwhile, Freddy Peralta is on the bump for the Brewers. Brew crew find themselves as favorites here. Anywhere between minus 108 and minus 117. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Cubs, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105, and I'm going to be seeing them as high as a plus 104 as well. Your total on this game is either 8 or 8.5. At Circa, the 8 has over and under juice at minus 110. At Westgate, 8.5 has under juice of minus 115, over is minus 105. They're the only two places as I do this podcast that have a total on this because the Wrigley Field win really dictates a lot of this, and from what I'm seeing, you're just not having a lot of Win in general, it's going to be right around four miles per hour. It seems like it's going to be directional, so it's not really going to have much of an impact in this game. So that's something that I want to take into account when I want to setting the total, which I currently have eight point three. So I mean the eight that I'm seeing at circa minus one ten juice that is very appealing to me to the over. I've got to think that the Cubs are not going to be scoring as many runs as they want to. Doing so yesterday, they were able to put up a 15 spot. And this is a bunch that they were really scuffling with the bats. And it just feels like they're really all or nothing so far this year. It's been very fascinating to watch them because... Right now, you've got Wilson Contreras. He's been able to do an absolutely tremendous job for this bunch. He's hitting at 267. he He's been able to give the team now six home runs. Javi Baez has six home runs as well, but he's hitting right around at .233. You've got Eric Sogard hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 you You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Chris Bryant. He's hitting at 313 with a 400 on base. He certainly has been doing his part, but Jason Award, guys like this, they are struggling a little bit, and Kyle Schwarber, well, he's no longer with the team. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. They're still currently without Christian Yelich, which means that you have to rely upon a bunch of guys are even below a 220 for the team. Obviously, Garcia. Colton Wong is now back, but he's not hitting very well. guess Hip-Hip-Yaraw has been a hip-hip boo with his half batting average. Manny Pino, Luis Erdias, along Jackie Bradley Jr., Daniel Vogelback. back. I mean, it's been absolutely terrible for this team. And you take a look at the Brewers. You are going to have your trustworthy bullpen arms, but and it's still, having Brett Anderson pitch a one-third of an inning is not necessarily ideal in a start. So, you wind up having to go through so many of these guys like Eric Yardley and company, and it got so bad that yesterday Daniel Robertson had to finish out the game, so that's not necessarily what you want to see. Now with Freddy Peralta, he has been able to do an absolutely tremendous job of being able to get swings and misses, but the command is not necessarily there. 18 innings pitch, he's given up 12 walks with 31 punch-ups in the process. He's got a 2 ERA. Azole, he has been scuffling a little bit. He has not necessarily been giving out as many walks, 3 walks in 10 and a 3rd innings, but he's just been giving up hard contact, giving up a pair of home runs, which is why he's currently got a six ten ERA, but against this Milwaukee Brewers team, a Brewers team that was able to get to him in his first start, I think that he's going to be a little bit more improved. This is a spot in which I want to making the Brewers a very very slight favorite to minus 103. I need to be getting just pretty much any sort of a plus price here to take a shot on the Cubs. I want to setting them at plus 103. I'm seeing plus 104 out there at Circa so we're going to be taking a chance on that plus price and seeing the 8 that we've got at Circa as well, I'm going to be taking that over as well. 905, 906 on the betting board. You've got the Washington Nationals in the road to face off against the New York Metropolitans. Marcus Stroman is going to be going for the Mets. Meanwhile, you've got Joe Ross on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Your total on the game is between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8, your over is just anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105 on the 8.5. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. And if you're looking at the Nationals, well, you're getting a big plus price here. It is anywhere between plus 170. I'm seeing its high as a plus 182. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it here with the Metropolitans, as high as minus 210 is what you're going to be laying, as low as a minus 192 as things sit right now. And This is certainly a spot in which events should be favored, but... Joe Ross has actually been pretty solid for the Washington Nationals. I made this more around a plus 150-ish game. I officially set it at plus 147, so I'm seeing some big-time value here on the Washington Nationals. Now, when you take a look at the Nationals, Juan Soto's currently out of the fold, and that's big because it means that it's going to be tough for them to be able to drive guys in, and I will say for Joe Ross, speaking of our contact, he's given up quite a bit of it. Four home runs in 15 and a third innings, but coming back after not playing at all last season, he has actually looked relatively solid. And you take a look at the Nationals, you've got quite a few guys that are able to get base for you. Josh Harrison is hitting above a 300. Trey Turner down for what? Wound up leading the league in stolen bases a few years ago. He's hitting above a 275. Sterling Castro. Jan Gomes. They're both hitting in the 250 range. Jody Mercer hitting above a 300 as well. We've got a couple slugs out there. Victor Robles needs to pick it up a tab, but I mean, by and large, they've been able to do a solid job. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Metropolitans. You've got quite a few guys hitting right around 250 for this team. Albert Almora Jr. Pete Alonso is just below it. Dom Smith. So you've got that going on along with some of the more, I guess you could call them ancillary pieces doing a good job. Luis Galorme, along J.D. Davis, and Brandon Nimmo are all hitting above a 350. so they have been able to perform, and for the Mets, the bullpen is going to be very rested because Jacob deGrom wound up being able to pitch eight very solid innings with 15 punch-outs yesterday, so that is something that you do like, so you're going to have everyone on hand, although I don't know how reliable guys like Trevor May, Aaron Loop, Robbie Giselman, Jersey Familia, Spanish for blown saves. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Nationals. They're a team that they didn't necessarily get the world's worst start either, there. So, you're going to have so many of these guys like a Danny Hudson or Brad Hand who are going to be available. So, that's certainly going to be helping them out. And when I take a look at this spot, I do think that you are going to get a solid start here for Marcus Stroman. He's someone that has come back after missing last season and he's looked tremendous. Three starts, 20 total innings. He has given up one home run and three walks in the process. I mean, he has just been absolutely superb. At least six innings and one or fewer runs given up at every one of these starts. So, no question, you are going to be able to get a good start there. But I do think that the bullpen might be a little bit of a bugaboo for this team. I wanted setting the total at 7.3, so I do see a nice edge here to the under. I think that both of these starters are going to be able to give you something good and I think that the Nationals just have a little bit more in the back end to be able to win a lower scoring game. So we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Nats and this total under. We move on to 907 908 on the ears and the Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road off against the Atlanta Braves. Drew Smiley is going to be going for the Bravos. Meanwhile, you've got Madison Baumgartner on the bump for the Diamondbacks. Your total on this game is 9. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The under is anywhere anywhere between even a minus 115. If you're looking at the Snakes, you're going to be getting a big plus price here anywhere between plus 160 and plus 173. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it here with the Bravos, it's anywhere between minus 180 and minus $2. I think that the Braves should be a favorite here, but I mean, even for as much as a dog Madison Baumgartner, this has just gotten too far. Drew Smiley is not a guy that I necessarily want to be hitching my wagon to, too. I mean, he's able to get you swings and misses, which is nice, but... For him to be a $2 favorite in this spot just seems a little bit ridiculous. He's won 11 innings so far this year with 11 punch outs, but he's given up 3 home runs. Madison Baumgartner in terms of home runs, giving up for 9 innings is actually a little bit better, and he's given up 4 home runs at 18 innings. Now you take a look at Madison Baumgartner, it has not been good for him to say the least. An 860 ADRA, but he's coming off a start in which he gave up 1 run over the course of 5 innings against the Nationals. Granted, a little bit of a banged up Nationals team, and he's backed up by an offense that has been actually relatively solid for this Arizona Diamondbacks punch. Now the Marte Partey. Catal Marte is currently out of the fold, but you're getting it from other guys. Cole Calhoun is hitting above a 250. Pavitt Smith is hitting right around that neighborhood as well. Now, as Dribble Cabrera, it's not necessarily been terrific. And for Eduardo Escobar, he doesn't necessarily do a great job of getting on base, but he's got six home runs for this team. Even someone like a Carson Kelly, who's right now gotten on base above a 500, he He's been able to play above his skis a little bit. And then for the Braves, offense is going to be picking up for this team. You've got Guillermo Aurelia, who's been hitting a 300 surprisingly for this team. They got back Ronald Lacuna Jr. yesterday. He looked a little Bit rough coming off of injury, but you know that he's going to be able to perform. And you take a look at it Freddie Freeman, Marcel Ozuna, Ozzy Albies. All these guys are currently hitting below a two twenty nine. I will say for Freeman, 373 on base. So he's still getting on base. But those guys, you know, are going to be able to pick it up. And for the Braves, this is a bullpen that they wound up having to use Luke Jackson yesterday. They wound up having to go through a couple other arms as well. You're going to have someone like a Will Smith who's going to be available for this game. you got to think that A.J. Minter could be able to come back as well. But then you take a look at what you're going to be able to get for this Arizona Diamondbacks team as well. The bullpen hasn't been great, but it hasn't been terrible. Yohan Lopez is able to give you a couple innings Kevin Ginkle whenever you need him, along Stephon Kicktrain. These guys are going to be able to do a relatively solid job. You're able to get a couple innings out of Caleb Smith as well. has been turned into pretty much a long reliever, so I do think that that's very appealing. I think that Arizona is just being a little bit undervalued in this spot in a start in which you've got two pitchers that well, I think that they're going to be giving up runs. I set the total more around 10, so I'm going to be taking the over, and I'm going to be taking the plus price in this spot with Mad Bum and the D-backs. We move on to nine oh nine nine ten on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies sit the road to face off against the Colorado Rockies. Antonio sends it. Stella is going to be going for the Rockies. Meanwhile, you had Aaron Supernola, who's on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies. Your total is anywhere between 9.5 and 10. On the 10, your over is anywhere between even and minus 110. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. On the 9.5, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. And if you're taking a look at this one, you're going to be finding the Philadelphia Phillies as a very substantial favorite. Anywhere between minus 170 and minus 186 plus price here. With the Colorado Rockies, as anywhere between plus 155 and plus 163. This has just went too far. I feel like the Rockies should be an underdog, but I was willing to take pretty much anything at 145 or above, so this is going to be a take on them with Aaron Nola. He certainly is coming off a great last start in which he wanted pitching a complete game. He's given up one home run and three walks in 24 and a third innings, but with Sensatello, what you want to be noting with him is the fact that his home splits last year were very solid. Now, he had a little bit of a rough go of it when he wanted facing off against the LA Dodgers. That team has really been the bane of his existence, but if you take out the two starts in which... He didn't go against the prohibitive favorites to win the World Series in the Diamondbacks and the Mets. In those two starts, he wound up going a combined 14 innings, and the start against the Diamondbacks was at home along with the starts against the Mets. Gave up two runs, one of which was earned, and last season at home, he had an ERA right around a 3-3. So, that is something that you're able to rely upon. You take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. This is a bullpen that they certainly are improved. No fans or buts about it, but, I mean, you still have a couple guys that are question marks for this team. David Hale is able to give you multiple innings. Brandon Kitzler looked a little bit rocky in his last appearance. You've got someone like a Jojo Romero who I'm not necessarily sold on. Spencer Howard is a guy that they're kicking the tires on as well. It seems like they're going to use him as sort of a starter slash a long reliever hybrid. And then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies. This is a bunch that you don't have great on pitching, but it's not terrible. Yancey Almonte, Daniel Bard, Carlos Estevez, Michael Givens. They're not guys that are going to necessarily light it up and have like two ERAs or anything like that, but they're able to hold down the four for you. And for the Colorado Rockies, what you really need is, honestly, a little bit more consistency out there in the lineup. You've got a trio of guys at the top in Remy Altapia, Ryan McMahon, along Trevor Story. They're only in between a 265 and a 280, and with McMahon, he's done a good job of being able to put bat to ball with regards to home runs with six, but CJ Crone, Charlie Blackman, Dom Nunez. All these guys are in a 230 or lower. Jonathan Daza has been able to give you a little bit of something, so that's been nice. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, you're getting a whole lot of something out of Bryce Harper. Nearly a 500 on base. He has been absolutely superb so far this season. You've also got JT Ryumito hitting in the neighborhood of about a 300, and you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Nick Mayton. Young 24-year-old has come up, and he's looked very good in a couple games for this team, so that has been good. Meanwhile, you've got someone in Mickey Moniak who has come up and he's looked absolutely terrible for this team, so it's really ups and downs. When I take a look this one. I do feel like the Rockies are being a little bit undervalued, especially with the fact that they are a tad bit banged up and having to play some younger guys in the lineup. So I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Rockies and I set this total at 10.3. I do think that Nola is going to look a little bit more hittable in this spot. It is a game at Coors, so anything could happen, especially with these bullpens. So we're going to be taking this total over and I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Rockies. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. you got the Miami Marlins setting the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Kevin Gosman going to be going for the Yantes. Meanwhile, Pablo Lopez is going to be on the bump for the Miami Marlins. Your turn on this game is 7 with the over work between minus 110 and minus 125. The under is any anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Giants, you're going to be finding them work between minus 141 and minus 157 plus price here with the Miami Marlins. You're going to be finding anywhere between plus 128 seeing his eyes a plus 138 as well. With Lopez, I feel like he's being undervalued. I know as a very slight underdog of plus 104 in this spot, so I really do like this one, and when you take a look at Mr. Lopez, what I like about him is the fact that he does a very good job of being able to limit the walks. Right around 7 walks in 21 and 2 thirds innings, 25 punch outs to boot, so he's been able to do a good job. He's got no one 2 record in his 4 starts, but I mean it really hasn't necessarily been his fault. You take a look at it, he's given up more than 2 runs in just 1 of his starts, and he's had 0 or 1 runs of support in 2 out of his last 3 appearances, so he's been a little bit of a tough luck loser. Meanwhile, you take a look at Gosman. Ever since he's gotten to the Giants, he's generating right around 11 strikeouts per 9 innings. ER is hovering right around at three, so he has been superb. One run or fear given up in three out of his four starts, so he has been able to get off to a nice run. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is a bullpen that I feel like he's overperforming a little bit, especially considering that Reyes Bonanta is currently on the injured list. Matt Whistler is a guy that I don't necessarily trust. And Gregory Santos just got called up to the big leagues. He's someone I think is going to be able to give the team some solid innings, but you've got Camilio Doval along Charlton Garcia. These guys are not necessarily too terrific for them. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Miami Marlins. I will say they've had a couple blow-ups this season, but someone like Yimi Garcia, Dylan Floro, these guys are able to be solid. Zach Pop is someone that I actually like what I've seen out of him in stretches so far this season. I had a little bit of a rough go of it to begin the year, but he's been able to follow it up with a couple good appearances Adam him. Simbers able to give you a good as well. Now, Richard Blyer is giving up a little bit too much hard our contact, but he's going up against a Giants team that, in general, has been one of the worst teams in the big leagues when it comes to just being able to put bat to ball. They wound up entering into yesterday with a 216 batting average. Now, the Marlins, they're not inning for a lot of. Hard contact. They wound up entering into yesterday with just 11 home runs. I believe that's bottoms out there in the National League, but Adam Duvall does have four of those. He, Garrett Cooper, John Birdie, Lewis Brinson, all entered into yesterday, hitting a 215 or lower, but Jace Chislam, Miguel Rojas, Jesus Aguiar, and when he's out there because he wound up missing the game yesterday in Mr. Starling Marte, a.k.a. the Marte Parte, all these guys are hitting a 280 or better. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Giants. Tommy LaSalle has been able to do a solid job. He's hitting right around 260. Buster Posey hitting well above a 300 has been terrific, but you take a look at Mikey Sharmsky, Wilmer Flores, Mauricio Dubon, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, all these guys are hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, so that's been a little bit tough. I do think that the Miami Marlins and San Francisco Giants are both going to be able to get some quality starts in this one. I wanted to setting the total at 7.2, so with this total currently being at 7, and seeing a plus 105 on some of these unders, I'm going to be taking a look at that just because I would rather be taking that plus price rather than rolling the dice on a 7, and I do think that this is probably going to wind up getting to 7.5. So, if you're looking at this one right now, I am probably going to be taking a look at the under as long as I'm getting at least even juice on a 7 or if I'm getting a 7.5 as well. So, that's how I'm going to be playing this one with it sort of being in the middle and in this spot. Going to be taking the plus price here with the Miami Marlins. 913, 914 on the betting board. You've got the San Diego Padres in the road face off against the LA Dodgers. Trevor Bowers is going to be going for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Blake Snell is on the bump for the Padres. Your total on this game is 7. Over is anywhere between minus 115 to 125. The under is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Dodgers, it's anywhere between minus 145 and minus 151. Seeing a couple minus 143s out there as well. Meanwhile, you're taking a look at the Padres. You're going to be finding that anywhere between plus 130 and plus 140 with the Padres. I need to get more like plus 148 in this spot. I'm willing to lay up to minus 148 with the Dodgers. Seeing those minus 143s, that is appealing to me. Because with Trevor Bauer, he was the Cy Young Award winner last year. And he has followed that up and looked absolutely tremendous in Los Angeles. Now he wound up giving up a couple runs at his first start at Coors. Field, but that's Coors Field. 242 ERA has given up just 6 walks and 26 innings, 36 punch outs. He's got great stuff. Meanwhile, for Blake Snell, he's got 10 walks and 15 and a third innings, and he typically doesn't go past 5 innings. Now, he is backed up by a Padres bullpen that ranks number 1 in the National League with regards to ERA. So, that is going to be able to help him out, but with the Padres bullpen. It can only last for so long. We were talking with our good buddy Scott Seidenberg about this. I mean, guys like Emilio Pagan and company have been able to give the same production. You just wonder how long it's going to last. And then when you take a look at the lineup in general. You've got Manny Machado, Will Myers, Jay Cronenworth, lying between a 260 and a 272, entering into yesterday with Machado doing a great job of being on reach base. Eric Osmer, Trent Grisham hitting above a 3 hour, butt. And you take a look at some of these guys. Victor Caratini, Tommy Pham, and Fernando Tati Jr. have all had their struggles. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Dodgers. If you just got Good consistency on this team. Mookie Betts, Corey Seeger along with Max Muncie, only between a 265 and a 270 entering into yesterday, just to turn her down for what? Hitting a 380. You've had a couple guys in and out of the full, but whenever you've had Zach McKinstry out there, he's been able to do a very solid job. Cody Ballinger, Gavin Lux are still on the 10 day injured list, and McKinstry, it looks like he's probably going to be joining them as he wound up getting injured a couple days ago. But AJ Pollock is someone I think is going to be able to pick it up. And with the Dodgers, even though they don't have quite the bullpen ERA that the San Diego Padres do, I do. Do think that they're going to be able to get some good innings, especially with Broussard or Gradual winding up returning for this team. You've got Dennis Santana's able to give you something. Jimmy Nelson, David Price are able to give you multiple innings where you can enable along with Blake trying. Evan Saw, just as long as you're able to avoid Kenley Jansen, I think that you're good. And with this spot, I do think that it's going to be Trevor Bauer, who, with being able to go a little bit longer than Blake, so gives him an edge. I want to staying this hole at 6.9, so an unju 7 slash a plus 105 on the under, that is appealing to me. So we're going to be taking that. And with the Dodgers, one we'll up up my minus 148 with them, seeing a couple minus 143s. We're going to be taking that. So we're laying it here with the Dodgers and taking this total under 915, 916 on the betting board. You've got the Seattle Mariners in the red off against the Boston Red Sox. Nathan Evaldi is going to be going for the Sox. Meanwhile, Chris Flexen is going to be going for the Mariners. Mariners are finding themselves as substantial underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 172, seeing his eye is a plus 180. If you're looking at the Sox, going to be finding them anywhere between minus 189 and seeing his eyes a minus 230 with your total on this game. Nine with the nine the overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even a minus 110. This is a situation in which I felt like the Mariners should have been a big underdog, but I mean, 175 or greater has just gotten to the point of no return. I'm seeing a plus 190 out there at DraftKings. This is just a little bit too much on the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox. No question, they've got a solid offense. They lead all the big leagues with regards to batting average. You've got someone in a J.D. Martinez, who's been absolutely superb for the same Rafael Devers. No question, he's able to put the ball into the seats as well, but I think that we've just gotten up a little bit too lofty here, especially with the Red Sox bullpen, in my opinion, due in for a little bit of regression. Guys like Austin Bryce and company are not going to be able to hold up the way that they have been able to to begin the year. Now, they were able to get some good long relief pitching after Martin Perez only wanted being able to go three and two-thirds innings yesterday, but that means that you're not going to be able to bring in someone like a Garrett Whitlock, a Harasawu Sawamura, and guys like this. And then when you take a look at the Boston Red Sox lineup, you're also able to get stuff out of Alex Verdugo. He's now hitting a 300, so that has been terrific after he got off to a rough start to the year. Christian Arroyo has been solid, but for the Seattle Mariners, they now have Kyle Lewis back. He's been off to a little bit of a rough start, but I think that he's going to be able to pick it up. You take a look at Evan White, Tom Murphy, Dylan Moore, and J.P. Crawford. Other than Crawford, all these guys are in below the middle line of 200. I think that they're going to hit. Mitch Haniger. he's come back. He's hitting above a 300. And for the Mariners, this is a bullpen that has actually been solid. You say Kikuchi wound up getting shelled yesterday, but he was able to give the team some innings. So that means that guys like Kendall Graveman, Rafael Montero, Casey Sadler, gentlemen like this, they're going to be available in this one. I think that the Mariners are going to be able to get some solid bullpen pitching. And I will say for Chris Flexen, He's very fortunate that the ERA is at a 3.38 right now because he's got a 163 whip. He's only allowed one home run so far this year. And for Nathan Ivaldi on the other end, in 23 and two-thirds innings across four starts, no home runs and four walks allowed. So he has been rocks all for this team. But I mean, with Flex and I still remember in the start yet against the Astros, he gave up one run on ten hits. So that's not necessarily the way that you want to be playing this. He has okay swing and miss stuff. Not great, not terrible. 14 punch outs so far this season. But I think we've just gotten to the point of no return. Nathan Ivaldi. Certainly going to give a good start for the Red Sox. I have question marks with their bullpen. And I do think that this is going to be another game of which it's going to be a little bit out of scoring. I want to saying the total at 9.3. So I'm going to be taking the over in this spot. Getting a minus 110 on the 9 is appealing to me. And with the Mariners, anything above a plus 173 is a take for me, I'm seeing a lot north of plus 175. So we're going to be taking the Mariners in this spot. 915 918 on the banging board. The Kansas City Royals are in the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers. Brady Singer is going to be going for the Royals. Meanwhile, Matthew Boyd is going to be on the bump for the Tigers. Your tolerance game is anywhere between 7.5 and, and 8. On the 7.5 over juice, minus 120. The under is even if you're taking a look at the 8. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between minus 110. And even if you're looking at the Royals, going to be laying a small number here. Anywhere between minus 112 and minus 120. The plus price here with the days is anywhere between actually a minus 104 in one spot and as high as a plus 110. And when I take a look at this one, I feel like it should be a reverse. I would make the Tigers here are a little bit of a favorite. I want to make it a minus 107 personally because with Matthew Boyd, I really like what I've seen out of him so far this season. He has abandoned trying to get just 100 million billion strikeouts and instead he's just focusing on keeping the ball in the yard. One home run given up in 26 and two-thirds innings. Now I remember there was about like a 20 start streak in which he was giving up like two and a half home runs per nine innings. That was not ideal. Strikeout numbers are down. 19 punch outs in 26 and two-thirds innings but pitching to contact has worked for him. Meanwhile for Brady Singer, he's done a good job of keeping the ball in the yard as well. Now, he has given up 16 walks and 14 in a third innings, but only one home run in the process. He's looked very solid ever since his first start of the year. was a disaster against the Texas Rangers. Last two starts, a combined 11 innings. He has given up four runs, only one of which was earned, and in that span, only three walks as compared to 12 punch outs. So that's solid, and he's backed up by a bullpen that is one of the best that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Now, Jake Newberry has been absolutely tremendously awful out there in the bullpen, but Kyle Zimmer, Tyler Zuber, Josh Stamount, along with Wade Davis, he's got guys have been able to come in. They've been able to do relatively solid work for this team. Now, it looks like Greg Holland is currently on the injured list, but you take a look at the Tigers. This is a team that they are dead last when it comes to the bullpen ERA. No question. It has not been good. Gregory Soto has been able to give you a little bit of something. And Tyler Alexander, whenever you wind up calling upon him, he seems to do something solid. Daniel Norris has been a disaster for this team. You take a look at Alexander. He had to pitch two and a third innings because Casey Mize did not give them the start that they were looking for. And the good news is, you're not going to get Derek Holland because he wound up pitching yesterday. So, that's going to help out the Tigers a little bit as well. But you take a look at Brian Garcia and company, not necessarily terrific, but for the Tigers, I do think that they're going to get their offense to pick up a little bit. As you've right now got Nico Goodrum, Jonathan Scope. Grayson Griner, Zach Short, Jacoby Jones, all hitting a 200 or lower for this team. Now, Keel Badu, he has been terrific. Game-winning it along four home runs in his first, like, three weeks in the big leagues. And take a look at the Royals. This is a team that they've been able to launch their offense as well. Andrew Benatendi finally got his first home run the season. He's been a little bit tough so far this year. He, Ode, Soler, both guys hitting between a 210 and a 225, but Gerard Dyson has some great wheels. Ryan O'Hearn wound up coming back for the team yesterday, and he got his first home run the season. with airfield, hitting right around a 280-ish for the team, along with Salvador Perez, who apparently all he does is hit game-winning hits, so he's been great there. Michael Taylor, Dicky Lopez hitting a 270 for this bunch, so I do take a look at this one. I wound up saying this all 89. 89.5. I do see a nice edge to the over. You've got two younger pitchers that I think are going to be solid. Bullpens can be a little bit shaky. I do think that the Tigers are going to be able to get a better start out of Matthew Boyd, though, and I think that that's going to be the difference, so we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Tigres, and I'm going to be taking this total over. 919, 920 on the betting board. You've the LA Angels, and they're in the road to face off against the Houston Astros. Jake Odorizzi is going to be going for the Strohs. Meanwhile, Griffin Canning is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are finding themselves anywhere between plus 115 and plus 122. If you're looking to lay it with the Strohs, anywhere between minus 126 and minus 132. Total is 9. The over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 105. For Canning, he actually made a long relief appearance earlier in the week, so it's going to be fascinating to see how he winds up bouncing back from that, but this is someone that throughout his career, he has been using to a little bit of a strange schedule and he's typically been able to do well in these spots 5.68 ERA is not ideal, he's given up 4 home runs in the process, but he's only given up 3 walks, 14 punch shots, he's got good to swing and miss stuff, and what's more important is that he's facing off against a guy in Jake Odorizzi, who has been absolutely terrible the last couple of years I mean, even last year, he wanted to get him the Minnesota Twins a couple starts, he was not good there, in 2 starts so far this year 72 thirds innings, giving up 9 runs all of which were in 3 home runs in the process just getting absolutely shelled like a pinata and he's backed up by a bullpen of the Astros that they're towards the bottom half of the Big Leagues. They're not necessarily doing the world's greatest job because you've got Enorly Paredes who's currently on the fold. Ryan Presley, Brooks Raley, they're able to give you a little bit of something, but Ryan Stanek. He was good as an opener with the Tampa Bay Rays. He is not good as an actual reliever. You've got Kent Emanuel has just been called up to the Big Leagues. He Brian Bielak are going to try to provide some long relief. I don't know how relieving they're going to be. And for the Angels, this is a bullpen that they themselves have some shakiness. The big shakiness, in my opinion, is Rossio Iglesias. I've just never been very bullish on him. You've got Ben Rowan who I'm not necessarily in love with either. I will say, Aaron Slager, Tony Watson, even Steve Ciszek, these guys are going to be able to do their job. And for the Angels, this is a bunch that they do have quite a bit of power in the lineup, and it's not named Shohei Ohtani, it's not named Mike Trout. It's because you've got some of these other guys, like a Jared Walsh, who's sitting above a 300. he He's been able to give the team a quadrant of home runs. Justin Upton all of a sudden is starting to give the team a little bit of something as well. Ohtani is hitting above a 300. Mike Trout wound up being out of the starting lineup yesterday, but you know that he's going to be back, if not today, relatively soon, and you've even been able to get a little bit of something out of his understudy, it's Scott Scheibler, so you've got a good lineup there, meanwhile for the Astros, they're getting Jose Altuve back, it sounds like he might be back as soon as today, if not tomorrow, but you still have quite a few guys they're able to get on base Carlos Correa, Jordan Alvarez along with Mendes, Diaz, in between a 265 and a 280, Michael Brantley Alex Bregman, Yoli Gurriel, they're hitting in that 300 neighborhood as well, now Martín Maldonado, never been noted for his bet. that's not going to be the case once again, but I do think that with the Angels, you are are going to be able to get some good, solid production here. I do think that Griffin Canning is going to be able to rise to the occasion, and really, if you're taking a look at this one, it is a little bit more or less of a fade of Jake Odorizzi in this spot. I want to say the Angels in this spot as a little bit of a favorite at minus 113, so we're going to be wind up taking the Angels in this spot, set this total at 9.6, so we're going to be taking it over as well. 921-922 on the betting board. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing us of the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole is going to be going for the Yanks. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber fever is going to be going for the Cleveland Indians. You're finding the Yankees anywhere between minus 107, and I'm seeing them as low as a minus 104, so this is a relative pick game. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Indians, you're going to be finding them as good as even money. You're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 109 and your total on this game is 6.5. The over and under are anywhere between even and minus 120. So, you really got your pick there. And this is a spot in which I do think that we're going to get a very low total. I want him setting this at 6.3. So, even though you've got a low total to begin with, I do think that this is going to be a take on the under. Now, the Yankees have finally been able to bust out a little bit with the bats, but Shane Bieber, this guy's been absolutely tremendous. He's averaging a double-digit amount of strikeouts in every one of his starts. He certainly has been able to do the job there. You take a look at the Yankees. Kyle Igashioka at the catcher spot is actually doing a solid job. He should be playing over Gary Sanchez right now. He's hitting at 208. You've got DJ LeMayu hitting right around at 275 now. You've got a couple struggling bats for this team, as you've got Sanchez who I mentioned a little bit earlier, along through Ruud Clint Frazier, Aaron Hicks, Carlos Stanton, along Flieber Torres, along at 215 or lower. That is absolutely terrible. Now, Stanton was able to a pair of home runs yesterday. That is certainly going to be a pop-up this team, but, I mean, Rudin Androdor, even though he had a home run yesterday, I'm not bullish on him, and then you take a look at the Indians. late inning team, to say the least. Cesar Hernandez, Amid Rosario, Yu Chang, along with Roberto Perez even Jake Bowers, all hitting a 200 or lower for this team. and E. Rosario, Andres Jimenez hitting between a 215 and a 225. Jose Ramirez not too much better at 231. Framil Reyes is getting on base for this team, but really past that, you're not getting a lot of anything. And for the Cleveland Indians, they did have to go through their bullpen because Logan Allen wound up being lifted in the third inning yesterday. So Phil Maiden is going to be unavailable. Cal Quantrill is going to be as well. And then you take a look at the New York Yankees. They were able to get four and two thirds innings out of Jordan Montgomery. So while Darren O'Day may not be available, you might be able to have some more of your trustworthy guys like a Chad Green and company, so that is going to be able to help them out, but even with that, someone like a James check should be able to come in for the Indians, give you a couple solid innings. Now, I do recognize that Nick Wittgren has been an advent disaster so far this year for the team, but even Emilio Clase, if you wind up getting into a relief spot, he's able to do a solid job. Oliver Perez, the ageless wonder, has been able to do a solid job as well, so I do think that two light hitting teams, well, they're going to continue to be light hitting, but in this spot, I do give a little bit of the Edge here to Garrick, because with Garako, he has been absolutely amazing. He wound up giving up quite a few home runs this past season, but I feel like he's backed up by a little bit of the better bats as well. I want to making this to the Yankees being a minus 108 favorite. So I'm seeing some minus 104, I'm seeing some minus 105 out there relatively a pick'em game. So we're gonna be taking them on the money line. I want no part of laying a run and half here in this spot. And plus, if you would be taking a run and half, I will say this: if you would be taking a run and half, you'd have to lay regardless of the side. A very, very large number if you're laying the run and half, you certainly are going to be getting a nice plus price, but I'm just going to go with the money line here of the Yankees, not mess around with that, and take the total under. 923-924 on the betting board. It's the Toronto, a.k.a. Danita Blue Jays in the road face-off against the Tampa Bay Rays. It is expected to be Ryan Yarbrough as a starter, but the only question is, are we going to be getting an opener, or are we actually going to be getting Ryan Yarbrough? Meanwhile, Robbie Ray is on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays. This is a game that's currently off the board, but this is going to be my New York Post play of the day, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Toronto Toronto, a.k.a. Dunedin Blue Jays. We relatively know where we're going to be getting out the Tampa Bay Rays because it's going to be Ryan Yarbrough in some former capacity. He has been a guy that has had an opener used for him quite a bit, so we're able to hone in on that. Meanwhile, you take a look at Robbie Ray. Certainly the walks have been an issue. 4.3 walks per nine innings throughout his career. Not necessarily what you want to be seeing, but I do take a look at Robbie Ray, and he is someone that he's able to get a bunch of punch outs. Right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. He's facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays team that they're always towards the top when it comes to strikeout rate in the big leagues, are once again back in the top five, so that's going to be a little bit of an issue for them, and you're going to have a guy in Robbie Ray that's going to be backed up by a bullpen that is right now number one in the league with regards to bullpen ERA. He had to use up quite a few guys yesterday. Rafael Dolis wound up coming into the game, David Phillips, Tyler Chatwood, but with Dolise, he wound up only using nine pitches, so he's going to be able to probably come back today. You also have Julian Merriweather still on the injured list for the Dunedin Blue Jays, but you still have Quite a few other guys are able to perform for this team, and the lineup seems to be turning around as well because you've got Vlagaro Jr., who's been absolutely amazing for this team, hitting a 381 with a 513 on base. Marcus Simeon, he's hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, but he's been able to give the team five home runs. You've got Kavan Biggio, Jonathan Davis. These guys are going to start to hit at some point along the route. You tell us all these guys hitting a 200 or lower, you can throw in there Lord's Guerriel along Danny any chance. But Joe Panic, Santiago Espinal, Randall Grichik, all these guys are hitting a 300 or a better above. but Shed has been solid as well. And then we take a look at the Tampa Bay race. The power is a little bit in for this team. Randy Odozarena was able to home run yesterday. He's hitting at 295, Austin Meadows. I think in the neighborhood of about a 245 to a 250, but Mark Brasso is hitting right around at 200, William Adamus is in that neighborhood as well. Yoshi Satsugo has been a waste of money ever since coming over from Japan. He just has not performed. Yandy Diaz is able to give you a little bit of something, but here's the thing with the race. They're actually in the bottom 10 in the big leagues when it comes to bullpen ERA. Now, Chris Mazza being able to send the tide and give them three relief innings yesterday with no runs given up, that's actually very good for them, so... That means that you're going to have more of your trustworthy arms, but I mean Andrew Kittredge, Trevor Richards, Jeffrey Springs, Hunter Strickland. It's not necessarily too impressive for this team, so I'm taking a look at the Blue Jays. As long as you're getting pretty much anything above a plus 110, it is going to be a take for me on the Blue Jays. I've got to think that that's going to be the case in this one, especially with Robbie Ray. And this is total I'm going to be setting right around 9.1 as long as we do get the Yarbrough versus Ray matchup in some form or capacity that I'm anticipating. Check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren's 41, but that's what we're looking at there. And as long as we wind up getting this matchup, the Toronto, aka Dunedin Blue Jays, going to be my New York Post play of the day. Nine twenty-five, nine twenty-six on the main board. The Oakland A's hit the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. It looks like it's going to be John Means going for the Baltimore Orioles, but it's still a little bit to be determined in some spots, which is why this is a game that's off the board. And Chris Bassett, hopes to have you hook, line, and sinker for the A's. If it winds up being Bassett versus Means, I've got this as the A's being a minus 114 favorite, which means plus 115 or greater are going to be taking a look at the Orioles. And my personal total is 8.2. So 8.5 or higher is going to be a take on the under. 8 or lower going to be a take on the over. And you take a look at John Means. He certainly has been meaning business, for lack of a better term for the Baltimore Baltimore Orioles, and he's now backed up by a bullpen that's a little bit more whole, as Cole Solzer has been able to return to the full for the team. He was really their closer last season. You take a look at Means as well, it looks like he may or may not wind up pitching in this one, but if he does wind up going, he's been able to give the team quite a bit of something so far this season. As with Means, he has one out there with a buck 52 ERA, 23 punch-outs over the course of four starts, has given up two home runs and six walks but by and large, has held down the fork, given up one runner or fewer in three out of his four starts. Meanwhile, you take a look at Bassett. He's been a little bit at Hermes. 443 ERA. You take a look at his recent production. Two runs given up in each out of his last two starts. So nothing great. Nothing awful. Now the seven walks in those last two starts. Something that he does want to be sorting out but with the Oakland A's this is a team that has a bullpen that is really firing all cylinders right now. And they come in on a 12 game winning streak. You wind up using up JB Wendelkin and Jake Diekman yesterday but both of these guys are 10 pitches or fewer so they're going to be able to come back in this one. You've also got a guy that I really like in Lutravino Now Sergio Romo is someone that you want to be avoiding at all costs. I have no faith in him, but even a guy like an Adam Cloreric is able to give you something. Deolius Guerrera has been able to do a solid job as well. And then when you take a look at the Oakland A's, this is never going to be a team that has a bunch of guys that get on base for you, but you do have a couple. Jed Lowry and Matt Olson, both thinking above a 3 and both have a 375 or greater on base. Mitch Moreland has been able to come around a little bit with the bat, with a 320 on base. You've got Ramon Laureano spending a little bit of a funk this year, hitting a 209, but was able to give the team a nice home run yesterday. Steven Piscotti is able to get on base. Elvis Andrews. Along Sean Murphy, both hitting below the Mendoza line, along with Matt Chapman, you guys think that they're going to come along for the ride. And for the Baltimore Orioles, their offense has been just a disaster so far. How about Cedric Mullins hitting a 333 with a 400 on base? He's been terrific. But Austin Hayes, the Say Hayes kid, Trey Boom Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, even a guy like a Ramon Orías, all these guys are hitting a 215 or lower for this bunch. You've got a couple guys that are out due to injury like Anthony Santander, DJ Stewart, DJ turned it up. He's hitting a 251 with Franco, but I mean really past that, you're not getting a lot out of the team. And for the Orioles yesterday, Dylan Tate, used up for 18 pitches. Cole Solzer, 22 pitches. Trey Lankins, 21 of them. That means that you're really going to be looking to Tanner Scott for a lot of production in this one as well, so that puts him in a little bit of a situation. Like I said, if it is Means versus Bassett, I would be setting this total at Oakland minus 114 and the total at 8.2, but check back in the morning right Twitter feed at Jaren's 41, cents. there is quite a bit of mystery as to what you're going to be able to get out of the Orioles. 927 Twenty-eight on the betting board. The Walker Texas Rangers sit the red face-off against the Chicago White Sox. Currently, in a lot of places, it's to be determined for the White Sox. I'm currently seeing though Dallas Keuchel. Meanwhile, you've got. Kyle Gibson, who's going to be on the buff for the Texas Rangers. Rangers are currently listed as a plus 144 to plus 150 underdog at both Bookmaker and Circa. Meanwhile, minus 165 is the consensus price currently on the White Sox for those that have posted this. And your tolerance game is 8 under as use of minus 120. The over is even. And in this spot, as long as we get Keiko and Gibson... I do think that there's going to be a lot of value on the over. I wound up saying this sort of like 10, so I don't know why we're getting an 8 in this spot. Now, I recognize that Dallas Keuchel has been a rock of consistency, but he's not going to get swings and misses. 10 punch outs in 19 innings so far this year. Last year, he wasn't a swing and miss guy. Starting to give up a little bit more hard contact. 3 home runs given up in 19 innings. He's going up against a Rangers team that they're generating right in the neighborhood. About 5.3-ish runs per game on the road. At home, they just have not necessarily been able to produce for the team. Yesterday's game was just absolutely insane in which you were able to get runs upon runs upon runs. Dane Dunning was out in the third inning, so you had to rely upon that terrible bullpen. Dylan Cease wound up getting lifted very early as well, so you've got a pair of bullpens that are going to be very taxed. And you take a look at the White Sox. This is a team that they have been a little bit different home to road. They're averaging more like four runs per game at home on the road that's more like five and a half, but I mean, you've got to figure that Jose Abreu is going to be able to hit for this team. He's hitting just above a 200. Yasmany Grandel, sitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Andrew Vaughn got off to a rough start to begin the year, but he seems to be picking it up. Nick Madrigal hitting in the neighborhood of a 300. Luis Robert is hitting above a 300 as well. And Tim Anderson is back in the fold hitting above a 350. So that's terrific. And then you take a look at the Texas Rangers. Betting average is not necessarily the forte of this team, but they don't necessarily have one slug out there. If you look at hitters 1 through 8 that wound up bidding for this team yesterday, you had a pair of guys that were hitting above a 280. Nick Solak and Jose Trevino, a guy that's hitting a 270. And Brock Colt, Willie Calhoun is in that neighborhood as well. You got a couple guys hitting a little bit lower. Joey Gallo is right now the weak link at a 214. But his on base is a 450, so he makes up for that aspect. Nate Lowe is right around at 250. You've got someone like an Isaiah Canera-Falefa, who's sitting in the neighbor of a 235, and a Adonis Garcia has really been able to match. He gets his fourth home run the season last night, so he's able to do a little bit of something for you. Now with the Rangers, I do have to be setting them as a sizable underdog here because the bullpen is just something that you don't want to be trusting in. Guys like Taylor Hearn and company probably going to have to come in for some big innings, but I do take a look at Kyle Gibson as well. He's actually been okay so far this. You're not giving up any home runs. I do think that that's going to dry up 253 ERA so far this season. He is someone that I feel like is a little bit lucky to have the ERA that he currently does, but with that said, when I take a look at this one, I'm seeing a total of 10 personally, so I'm going to certainly take an 8 over if I wind up getting the opportunity, and I'd be probably looking to take the White Sox in some form or capacity. Like I said, right now this is only up in two books, but if you're taking a look at the White Sox run line, only currently available at circa delay run and half, you'd be getting plus 127. I pretty much made it. To any plus price would be a take on the White Sox laying a run and half. So that's where I'm looking right now. We still have this number off the board in most spots. So check back in the morning with- Twitter feed at JaranceCordy One if we wind up having any changes. And we wrap things up with 929, 930 on the banking board. The Minnesota Twins hit the road face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Trevor is gonna be going for the Buccos. Meanwhile, Michael Pineda hopes to not be Michael Pineda for the Minnesota Twins. Twins are a very big favorite in this spot. You're finding them anywhere between minus 187 minus $2. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Pittsburgh is anywhere between plus 170 and plus 181. Your total on this game is eight. Under is anywhere between minus one twenty and minus 115, and even. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the over, that is anywhere between minus 105, and you're seeing as low as a minus 105, and in this spot, I'm going to be taking a look at the Pittsburgh virus. This has just gotten up a little bit too high. I was willing to lay about a buck 65 here with the Minnesota Twins. Michael Pineda has been a very solid pitcher ever since he wound up getting to the state with the smallest drinks in the Union, Minnesota, but with that said, Trevor kale someone that actually wound up performing halfway decent while he was with the Giants last season. Now, I do recognize that this year has not necessarily been good for him. 969 ERA in 13 innings though. He hasn't necessarily given up a bunch of hard contact. Three walks and two home runs surrendered in those 13 innings. He's got 17 strikeouts so I think that the overall contact is going to wind up drying up a little bit with the Minnesota Twins. This is a team that they're just very selective with their offense. We recall the game in which they wound up hanging double digits on the board against the Oakland A's and they wound up getting the loss. Meanwhile, in that two game double dip in Oakland they wound up scoring a combined zero runs in 14 innings. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Now Josh Johnson, Byron Buxton are both Above a 400 Nelson Cruz, right around at 350. And we all know what we're going to be able to get out of Bucks and Cruz. Both of these guys have been having some great power numbers, but Oye Polanco, Mitch Carver. Jay Cave, all these guys are hitting a two ten or lower. They wound up giving a start yesterday to Ellis Kurloff, who I believe has as many hits as myself at the major league level. Luis Arias is able to get on base, but certainly hit or miss. Minnesota lineup. Meanwhile, you, know, you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. You're all of a sudden getting something out of this team. Adam Frazier, Brian Reynolds are hitting in the neighbor of a three hundred. Call Moran, Eric Gonzalez are hitting around a two eighty. Philip Evans has been able to give you some hard contact as well. Now, when you get down to the bottom of the lineup, Kevin Newman, Wilmer Defoe, guys like this, they've been a little bit terrible, but you. We're able to get a good 7 inning start out of JT Burbaker, and this is a Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen that's relatively solid. You did wind up having Sam Maurer coming into the game yesterday, but a lot of your guys are going to be rested in this one. Someone like Kyle Crick, Jeff Hartleib, even someone like Richard Rodriguez should be able to come into this game if you need multiple innings out of Dwayne Underwood. He's able to provide those, and for the Twins, Alex Colme has been absolutely terrible late in game so far this season. Ty Duffy has been able to give you a little bit of something. You've got Ansel Robles along Taylor Rogers, two guys I really do like, but I think that this is just a spot in which the Minnesota Twins are a little bit overvalued. You want to be taking a look at the weather in this one as well. Keep in mind, it is April. It is the state of Minnesota, which is why I wound up saying the total at 7.6, so I'm going to be taking the total under. I think that both of these teams could have a little bit of a tough time hitting, but I think that the value here is with the Pirates, a team that has actually looked relatively solid the last couple series, so we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Buccos to go along with that total under, and we wrap things up now with the Baseball Betting Podcast for this lovely Saturday. A big thanks to our man Scott Seidenberg, tremendous podcaster and radio shows out there in the northeast part of the country for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe over your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Jenin. If you have a question for the podcast, one of two ways will be able to fire that in. My Twitter timeline at Jerez41. Keep in mind the letter ZM. Yeah, they mean does not matter. Other ways find an Apple Podcast view if you rate this podcast five stars. It is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the MLB season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you.